The Daily Tap is live for Monday. We're going to talk biggest winners and losers from a great weekend of Bucks basketball. We are also going to do, as the Aaron Rodgers turns, all the rumors, all the drama that's surrounding the quarterback of the Green Bay Packers, and we'll discuss that. And the third thing, we're going to kind of do Golden Kegs a little bit different. I have the golden kegs of Wisconsin sports for the weekend. Also some awards that are attached to the golden keg. Um, so we're going to we're gonna have some fun. We're going to kind of test out some new shit. I hope you guys enjoy it. Um, so we'll get into that a little bit later. And then lastly, we'll go to Chuck's Corner, which is my notes from the Shamrock Shuffle and a important message about sometimes you got to go back to where it started and where it all began. But we begin with the Milwaukee Bucks. But before we do, I just want to make sure you guys are following us on social media. Um, we are on Twitter, Tabbing the Keg, Tabbing the Keg Sports, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. Uh, also, to make sure you're rating and reviewing. I'm sure you're subscribed already. And if you're not, if you're new to this program, maybe you heard the Shake Hem podcast and you're hanging out with us, make sure that you're also um, subscribing, um, whether it be Apple, whether it be Spotify, whether it be something else. Last plug before we talk about the Bucks, we do have a March Madness bracket that is live. Uh, you can sign up now. Um, it is called Tapping the Keg Madness. Um, I'll have some links out on Twitter and Instagram later today. Um, but if you don't see it there and you want to sign up, uh, the password is capital D Daily Tap. Um, so Daily Tap, uh, all one word, Daily, the D is capitalized. So there you have it. Join that. We're going to have prizes. Um, if you want to contribute a prize, please reach out. I'd be happy to partner with anybody. Um, and we'd work on some sort of agreement, get some pod recognition, maybe some posts on social, maybe a write-up um, if my fingers still work, blogging. Um, but yeah, and blogging, that's a Chuck's Corner topic on another day. I've talked about it before, but we'll, we can do that some other time. All right, let me stop doing this. I hate when podcasts do this. Let's talk about the Bucks and get Get, get going with the day. So the Milwaukee Bucks had just a great week. They had a week that makes you remember why this team is a championship contender yet again. Um, the Bucks look like things have been pointed in the right direction. After a putrid loss to Brooklyn last Saturday, the Milwaukee Bucks responded with a absolute fury this week. The Milwaukee Bucks were able to win four straight games. They were able to beat... Uh, four straight playoff teams and beat some of the heavy hitters in the NBA, the Miami Heat, the Chicago Bulls, and the Phoenix Suns. Now, the haters might say, well, the Suns didn't have CP3 or Devin Booker or even Cam Johnson. Fine, that you can say that, but you got to beat the teams that are in front of you. The Chicago Bulls, yeah, they don't have Alonzo, they don't have Alex Caruso, but again, you got to beat the teams that are in front of you. Man, Heat didn't have Lowry. All right, whatever. It's that time of year where a lot of in injuries are happening. Are we going to keep saying this about every fucking team that the Milwaukee Bucks play or any other team for that matter? And the fact that the Bucks look like a championship contender again gives you a lot of hope. I realized that last week I was about as doom as gloom as it could get with the Milwaukee Bucks. And I realized that I might have overreacted a little bit. I had a buddy who critiqued me with that, which is totally fair. And I, and I can take criticism, all right? Like, you guys don't have to agree with everything. You don't have to kind of see it my way. 
But I think why I reacted the way of it is because A, I'm an emotional fan. B, basketball and baseball, for that matter, are a sport where things change day to day, week to week, where one week you hate everything and the next week you're like, all right, this is pointing into the right direction. The Bucks flipped the switch in the last week. The Bucks have finally kind of realized what they need to win these games. And it's not just they're doing the bare minimum to win basketball games. They're elevating themselves. Their fourth quarter performances against Chicago and Phoenix were otherworldly and Miami for that matter. I mean, all three of those featured great fourth quarters from the Milwaukee Bucks and great closes. And that's what championship teams do. They close you out. And they have two great closers in Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday. We're going to talk about both. And I said it on Twitter, and I mean it. One's Mariano Rivera and the other's Trevor Hoffman. Take your pick. And uh, Trent, my guy who was who tweeted me, was like, usually cross-sports com- comparisons don't work, but like this is spot on. And I said, yeah, because that's the only sport where there are closed, legitimate closers. And the what the Bucks have with Middleton and Holiday, those guys are as good as it gets down the stretch. And that's why they were able to carry this team without Giannis Antetokounmpo, uh, who had some foul trouble on Sunday and resulted in yet another win for the Milwaukee Bucks. Had they lost this game, I would have been frustrated, but I also would have looked at it and said, you went 3-1 and one this week against really hard opponents. It's tough. Maybe you ran out of gas a little bit. Maybe it wasn't all there. But I still would be a lot more encouraged than I was last week. So let's move on. Let's talk about the winners and losers from this weekend. So this isn't just from the game yesterday, but also um, with the Chicago game on Friday. Chris Middleton is our first winner. And how could he not be, right? He goes for off for 44 in the game against the Phoenix Suns. Middleton was absolutely incredible. I've been pretty harsh on Middleton this year. I think this is probably the most critical I've been on Chris, who I love. Like I, I've never really been a Chris Middleton hater. I've always had Chris Middleton stock. And I didn't even sell the Chris Middleton stock. Rather, I was just trying to figure out what was wrong with Chris Middleton. Like, was he having some off-the-court issues? Was the COVID that he suffered in the early part of the season, was he dealing with a long COVID situation? Did Chris Middleton get burned out from basketball because he played in the Olympics and he played in the NBA Finals and maybe he just had too much basketball and he needed some, some time to kind of recalibrate and gather his bearings? Whatever has happened in the last few days, weeks, has been really encouraging for Middleton. Middleton had 44 yes on Sunday in a virtuoso performance, in a, in a performance that reminds you, oh yeah, they have Chris Middleton, and Chris Middleton is a three-time All-Star, and Chris Middleton is one of the more underrated players in, in basketball because he's not flashy, he's not sexy. But the fact of the matter is, is that Chris Middleton can get buckets, especially in that heat check, feeling it. Every shot I thought was going in for Middleton in the fourth quarter. He played incredible basketball. It was such a joy to watch him. And to me, if I were teams in the Eastern Conference, if I cheered for Philly, if I cheered for Miami, if I cheered for Boston, who I think you have to take a little more seriously, I think they're all, oh shit, right? Oh shit, Middleton has figured it out again. And that's a real problem. So Chris Middleton, man, he was in the zone. 22 points also in that Chicago game. He had a couple big shots in the game against the Bulls. Defense was really good down the stretch too in that game. Um, So yeah, Middleton had just the weekend to me. Middleton owned the weekend. He won the weekend, in my opinion, for for Wisconsin. I'm spoiling a little bit of Golden Kegs. That's okay. 
Um, but yes, I thought this was a great weekend for Chris. Loser turnovers. Man, that that is a real, real problem for the Milwaukee Bucks right now. Third quarter is still a problem. But the Bucks are turning the ball over way too much. Um, they tightened it up in the second half against Phoenix, which I guess is good. But man, the turnovers basically brought the Bulls back into this game or back into the game on on Friday night. Like the Bucks could have easily buried Chicago. Like the Bucks could have easily won that game by ten or eleven points. But because they turned the ball over, they just could not seem to to kind of spread their lead and strengthen their lead. Now I wonder if the turnovers are going to be a factor come playoff time. Um, or if this is just a team that might be trying a little bit too much. Like the holiday turnover was a good one, good example of this in the fourth quarter. So the Bucks were down two points um, and they were kind of on a break and holiday tried to thread the needle with Giannis. Like in, in there are plays where I think they trust Giannis a little bit too much. And again, this is where maybe some of that turnover stuff can be derived from. And he tried to throw the needle. It didn't work. Suns pick it off. They come down. They drill three. They go up five. And it's like, it, you know, just hold your horses. Like, get yourself established. So I think what they need to do is they need to trust Giannis a little bit less. I realize how weird that sounds. I realize you guys are like, what the fuck? He's a two-time MVP. But I think that's where a lot of the turnovers are happening. I think... The Bucks are also not entirely connected yet. I think because of some of the new roster guys like Javon Carter, like elevated minutes for Jordan Nora, Serge Ibaka, I think that that's causing a bit of disruption with what they want to do. I've seen a couple times where I think Ibaka missed a pass and Portis is like, I'm going over there. Like, that's my spot. And I just think it's going to take a little bit more time playing with each other. So maybe this is just a bump in the road and it's not something that we have to panic about. Like, I think the third quarter stuff's a real issue, um, but I'm not entirely there yet with turnovers. Another winner, Drew Holiday, fourth quarters. Holy shit, man. Drew Holiday in the fourth quarter has been something special. The fact that this guy wasn't an all-star is absolutely bananas and will forever be bananas that Drew Holiday wasn't an all-star, but he dominated that fourth quarter against Chicago. Uh, he had, I think, 14 points to close out that quarter. Um, just completely ate Iodesumo's lunch money. Uh, my buddy Fan, who's a Bulls fan, was like, yeah, he's like, I didn't even think Iowa played that bad a defense. Like, I just think Drew was in another world. And Drew, uh, kind of in that Middleton camp of underrated players, and especially in those closing minutes, and I don't think a lot of people want to see Holiday touch the ball. And he's become so good from beyond the arc. His three-point shot has been otherworldly for the Bucks, And especially in this, this stretch. Uh, everything looks like it's going in. The step-back three he had against the Suns on, on Sat Sunday was something to watch. It was just really special from Holiday. He continues to play very, very well at a high level in these fourth quarters when they matter the most. Holiday did not really have that good of a first three quarters against Phoenix, but he saved the best for last. And that's really all, all you can ask for, right? That your best players are coming up when it matters the most. And Holiday absolutely cooked the Suns down the stretch. And 
that was a hell of a performance from Drew in the fourth, just as the same with Middleton. Holiday finished with 24 points. I think he had 19 in that in the fourth quarter, and then he had 14 in the quarter against the fourth quarter against the Bulls. So if we're math majors here, that's 33 points in fourth quarters. Uh, the last two of them, that's silly. That is absolutely silly from Holiday. He was four for five from three, made all his free throws. Also, almost had a double double uh, with nine nine assists. Not to read your box, not to read the box score, not not to bull Bill Michaels, if you will. Another loser for us. Third quarter issues continue. This is more about Friday than Sunday. Sunday actually, I think they, I think they might have. Let's see, third quarter, they they actually won the third quarter. Um, on Sunday. So I had a good third quarter. I'm still going to put it as a loser because uh, the one against Chicago was atrocious. Uh, the Bucks were down, I think, seven to start that fourth quarter. Um, it was just an absolutely piss poor third quarter from the Bucks. They came out flat as they have a lot this season. And the Bulls were able to kind of overpower it. I mean, it was rocking in there. They had the alley-oop. Giannis got dunked on. Um, there was the, everything that could go wrong did go wrong in that third quarter for the Bucks. Now, were they able to recover with an excellent fourth quarter where they showed the Bulls kind of who the fuck they are? Yeah, absolutely. But we didn't need to get to that point. What I don't like and what has annoyed me about these third quarters is there's so many times where the Bucks can drive the dagger. They can make fourth quarters irrelevant. They can say, all right, we don't need to play clutch minutes here and we'll be up 10 or 11 for the rest of the way and it's smooth sailing. But instead, they let these teams get back into it. And it's an annoyance. It's something that they need to try to fix before the season's over. As I pointed out last week after the Brooklyn loss, like it's something that I don't know is fixable. Like I don't know if this is something that it will be fixed because this has now been a trend for really the entire year and kind of sometimes you are who you are. And I guess this Bucks team just has bad issues in the third quarter. Now maybe they solve some of that on Sunday. It's one game. I mean, I can't take too much stock in that, but I think when you see them play Atlanta and Golden State, I'll throw out Oklahoma City, even though Oklahoma City is scrappy as fuck. They they seem to always cover spreads. It's incredible. Um, so I, I'm not discounting Oklahoma City. I'm just saying two playoff teams in Atlanta and Golden State. I, I'm going to be curious to see how the Bucks play in those third quarters this week and see if the trend of Sunday kind of grows and if we see sort of this maturation of how they're playing in the third quarters because Friday was pathetic. Sunday at least was a little bit better and I... I like that. I like that. And that makes me feel good. And one of the reasons why, and this is another winner, is the Bucks found some bench scoring on Sunday. The Bucks have really struggled on their bench with Pat Connaughton being down, with Bobby Portis being a starter um, and not Brooke Lopez. Um, the bench scoring has been down significantly. The Bucks don't get a lot of production off their bench, but they did on Sunday. Serge Ibaka had 14 points and 10 rebounds. He also had two blocks. Jordan Nora had 12 points and five rebounds off the bench. Both played really big minutes. Um, Abaka played 22. Nora played 26. Nora was in the closing lineups, which is crazy. I couldn't believe it. He was actually playing really well, too. Um, Abaka had to play more minutes because Giannis was in continued foul trouble, and he did all right. I think Aiton had a, had a pretty big game, but I think a guy like Aiton with his age and his size is a little bit tough on Serge Ibaka. I think the surge of old would have been able to handle him. 
but this version of Surge is not going to be able to handle a youthful guy like like Aiton, and I don't think he's played Aiton a lot, and I think there was there's some unfamiliarity there. Like to me, he seems a lot more comfortable against a guy like Embiid, who I think is better than Aiton from a big man perspective, but. I think he knows a little bit of Embiid's tricks. I don't think he's there yet with Aiton, at least in my opinion. But still, that's not what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about the fact that we're scoring off the bench. And the Bucks desperately need this. The Bucks desperately need this. Jordan Nora um, was, looked like complete shit um, for the first like three quarters, maybe maybe a little bit less. Like I texted our group chat and I was like, Nora's trash. Or I think I said he's so bad. And we both when Mitch was like, "Yeah, you gotta get him off the court." And then Nora just came through, and he must have heard the haters. He must have heard us saying, "Like, all right, everybody's talking shit. Like, I can, I can deliver." Uh, I made a joke that he might be finally working off his hangover from the Shamrock Shuffle. Sure enough, someone saw Jordan Nora out on Saturday, which like I don't care. Like Jordan Nora, legendary club guy. Like from all accounts, like Jordan Nora is out in these streets. Like you, if you go to Trinity, you'll probably run into Jordan Nora. And I like, I don't blame him, right? The guy's fucking 23, 24. Like he should be hunting coups. Like he should be like Dr. Jerry Buss if you watch Winning Time tonight, which was great, um, which I could do a Chuck's Corner on later this week. But he should be hunting. He should be doing that. So I'm not I'm not hating on him. I don't hate that he was out on the shuffle, like probably ripping shots and shit. But yeah, he he seemed like it sort of all clicked in this in the latter part of this game. And if you get that kind of production out of Nora, that that's that makes the Bucks so much tougher to beat. If that if that you really can get from Jordan Nora, maybe not on a nightly basis. But let's say every three or four games, you get a 12 to 15 point effort from Jordan Nora. Holy fuck, the Bucks are going to thrive. The Bucks are going to really soar and be really difficult to beat because you add in Pat Content, you add in Bobby Portis coming off the bench, or Brooke Lopez. It'll be, that's a discussion for another time of what will Brooke Lopez's role be. And I have a sneaky suspicion that he's going to come off the bench and they're going to keep Bobby in the starting lineup, mostly for load management reasons, not actually for like that Bobby's been a vital scorer for Milwaukee. I think it's more from a load management perspective, but we'll cross that bridge when we get there. We, we have no idea what, what this will look like. But yes, if you can get that from, from Nora, that's huge. And, and the same is to be said for Ibaka. Like Ibaka was terrible on Friday. Like, Abaco was really, really bad. Like, I, I was, it was a pathetic performance by him, honestly. And he, he just, you know, that's why, again, to that point we talked about, about how you can't, like, overreact too much to one game. Like, Abaco was perf, was really good in this one and played a vital role. And part of the reason why the Bucks were able to win this game was because of Serge Abaco. And what he did, you know, on the glass, you know, I mean, fuck, he pulled down 10 rebounds and six of those were offensive. Um, the Bucks, Bucks continue to dominate the offensive glass. And I'm going to talk about that a little bit with Giannis here in a second. But yeah, great for the bench. Hopefully that continues. Other losers, Bulls fans and, salt, and the Salty Suns. So the Bucks are dealing with a lot of salt right now. Uh, the Bulls relentlessly boot Grayson Allen, Derek White, or Derek Jones, excuse me, gets his shot in, and that, that was such a dumb foul because it's 93-93, and you have Derek Jones flagrantly fouling Grayson Allen, and Grayson Allen said, I heard worse crowds in the ACC, which is great. Like, everybody needs a heel. 
that's like such a heel comment. Like that's something you expect like Chris Jericho or some other legendary heel Roddy Roddy Piper, like that's a WWE move from Grayson Allen to be like, I've heard louder crowds in the ACC. Like that's that's so fucking perfect because Bulls fans are going to get really pissed off. But at the end of the day, it it didn't matter. It didn't matter how vicious it was. It I think it really helped the Bucks honestly, especially late in that game. I think it felt like the playoffs in there. I think the last three games have felt like the playoffs. And I think that's part of the reason why you've seen this the switch flipped. And then you had the Suns get mad at Chris Middleton's heat check three. Um, Bobby said something to Jay Crowder. Jay Crowder didn't like it. Kind of got into a bench skirmish. A lot of people yelling. Bobby and Jay just need to fucking fight. Like, you know, it, it's kind of like that couple, like this is a weird comparison, but whatever. It's like when you see a, people with like a ton of sexual tension and you're just like, can you guys just fuck already? It's like the same thing, but with fighting. It's like, can Bobby and Jay just drop the gloves and fucking take a few swings at each other? Like, let's just get it over with. Like, it's been brewing. It's been brewing. Also, too, you could use WWE. Like, you know, they they would set up those storylines. Be like, so-and-so was talking. Oh, this has been brewing for weeks. Here we go. And then it's like a big old fight. Like, why don't we just have Bobby and Jay drop the gloves? Like, why don't we just have them fight? Like, drop the gloves. You won't. Um, but seriously, I, I we think we need that from uh, Bobby Portis and Jay Crowder. Uh, but, yeah, they're salty. Uh, last winner, a little things from Giannis. Look, I don't think this was the best Giannis weekend. You know, he had a lot of trouble with the free throws on Friday, but he had a pretty solid game. I think it was 27 and 17. Um, and then on Sunday, he just kind of got screwed by the refs. And the refs called it way too tight. Um, it was college basketball officiating at its best. Um, I thought Ed Malloy had the Suns money line. Apologies to Ed if he lost that bet. But I, I don't, I like the little things from Giannis. Giannis was off rebounding his ass off in the fourth quarter he was finding open guys he was doing all the little things all the stuff that doesn't maybe show up on the statute rebounds do i get that but like he was creating opportunities for holiday and for for middleton and those were the guys that carried him. and Giannis understood that Giannis didn't try to make it about himself right and not that we'd expect that out of Giannis onto the kumbo because that's not the guy he is it just makes you appreciate it that even on a night when Giannis wasn't that great, he was still trying to do other things to help his team win. You take that in comparison with Russell Westbrook, who I didn't watch a ton of, I just more I saw the clip of him taking a, a deep three as LeBron is like cooking the Warriors for 50 plus points. It's like, what the fuck are you doing, dude? Um, so yeah, that I love that from Giannis. Um, also, last loser, Kendrick Perkins. Just that guy can go fuck off. Like, He's saying that Giannis can't be marketable and that Luca, uh, Ja, Trey, all those, or Jason Tatum, all those guys are more marketable. Like, he is such, such, as such repugnant takes. Like, it really is repugnant, the type of shit that they, ESPN lets out there in the world with Perkins because the guy is a fraud. Like, all, he's just a hot take artist. He just, whatever makes him look good on Instagram, whatever gets him to do his whole carry the hell on thing, that's what he goes with. The fact that he said Giannis is not the next face of the NBA when the guy has the third highest selling jersey on NBA.com behind LeBron and Steph Curry and he has a Disney movie being made about him is fucking ridiculous. Shut the fuck up. And has had multiple shoes. Like, 
Luca doesn't have a shoe. Trey Young doesn't have a shoe. Ja doesn't have a shoe. Like, are those guys going to get mega shoe deals and have shoes? Yeah, probably. But Giannis has three already. Zoom, th- Zoom Freak is at three. All right? Like, this isn't just a, you know, kind of just all of a sudden he created this out of thin air. So Perkins, the commentary is just ridiculous. And he should be embarrassed. And ESPN should be embarrassed for propelling it. But then again, ESPN ran a whole day of programming that was specifically to suck Coach K's deck. So I'm I'm not surprised. Like that does not surprise me after seeing the dick sucking that they performed for 12 straight hours for Coach K. So, I mean, it's not shocking, right? For the Bucks this week, they have... The Oklahoma City Thunder on Tuesday night, little quick road trip. Then a back to back. They're I think it's their last back to back of the year. Um, no, it can't be. But they, it's one of their few back to backs. They play the Hawks at home, so it'll be interesting to see maybe if Giannis gets a rest or somebody else gets a rest on that Tuesday game against the Thunder. And then they have a couple days off before starting their second West Coast trip, which begins with the Golden State Warriors on Saturday night, which could line up a lot. Line up for a very fun Saturday. If Marquette makes it to the Big East Championship game, you'd have Marquette at 5.30, the Bucks at 7.30. That would be a fun fucking night. We'll see if the stars align. Um, we'll do a lot on, on college basketball tomorrow. Um, we'll do previews both of the Big East and the Big Ten Conference Championships. So look forward to that. Moving on to Aaron Rodgers. As the Aaron Rodgers turns might be a better way to put it. Um, Aaron Rodgers has been in the news all weekend, and none of it's really coming from Aaron Rodgers. All these rumors are swirling left and right. You have that Aaron Rodgers apparently is torn between the Packers or playing somewhere else. You have that Aaron Rodgers is, you know, the trades that he, the teams he'd like to go to are Denver, Tennessee, or Pittsburgh. And those are the three teams for Aaron Rodgers. Um, you have journalists fighting each other. Um, you have Mike Florio going at Adam Schefter. Basically, Florio has one side of the story. Schefter has the other side of the story. You have Florio going up against Rob Domofsky, which was a very weird fight on Saturday night where Domofsky basically told him to go touch grass and get off the internet, which was incredible. Not really a Bob Domofsky guy, but that was a, an amazing interaction between those two. Um, so it's really funny to see who is going to be right, who is going to be vindicated. I'm sure we could do a winners and losers of the Rogers decision, which apparently is going to be Tuesday. But I feel like we've been doing this dance that every Tuesday seems to be the day. And so it's hard for me to believe that this is finally going to be it. But maybe it is. Maybe maybe it is. Now, you could, if you wanted to, put some puzzle pieces together and look at both sides of this. Aaron Rodgers was just at David Bakhtiari's wedding. Uh, he officiated the wedding. Uh, looked like a great time. Easily Bakhtiari spent a million bucks. Um, I showed my wife some of the pictures. And she's like, do you know that flower wreath probably costs like $20,000? And if I paid $20,000 for a flower wreath, I'd probably have to jump off the home bridge. Like that's I, no question about it. Even if I was a multi-million dollar athlete, like the amount of money that these women want to spend on the, on weddings are absolutely absurd. Like if you saw Casey McDonald and Eric Hosmer's wedding, this is a little bit of a sidetrack, but I'll work with me here. Like, I don't know how I would be able to live. Like, I'd be like, what are, what are we doing here? 
Like, really? We're going to use a year of my pay? Do you know I'm going into a lockout? Are you fucking kidding me? Unbelievable. But anyways, uh, by the way, that was like, I think one of the only like multi actual million dollar weddings on the breakers per source. I actually have a source on that. So there you go. So Rogers goes to the wedding. He officiates it. I didn't see any pictures of Rogers. So I was, I looked through a few people. Like I looked at uh, Miles Teller's wife's Instagram story was there. I looked at Randall Cobb's wife. I think I looked at Randall Cobb's too, um, just to see if I could find any clues, see if I could find anything. I, the only person I saw was Matt LaFleur. LaFleur looked like he was having a good time, uh, looked like just a man rocket. There was no sign of Rogers. And I don't know if, I think Rogers went, like I'm not disputing, like Dave Bakhtiari is one of his best friends. But I do wonder, like, was this the final, like, send off? Was this what he needed before he could make his decision? And is this sort of his last, like, hurrah with all these guys and saying, well, guys, like, it's been real. Like, you guys know my decision. I've, you know, I changed my mind about this, but I really do feel like I need to make a, a next step. I need to try something else. While Green Bay was really good to me this last year, I think that it's time for me to spread my wings and tell the Packers that he wants to try it. And, and that this is sort of what he was waiting on. Because it doesn't necessarily make sense why we've waited so long. Like, what exactly was Aaron Rodgers waiting for? Tom Clements comes out of retirement, is ready to coach. We think we all are like, it's a done deal. And now it, it kind of isn't. And the, the organization has seemingly bent backwards for Aaron Rodgers. And I just wonder how Aaron Rodgers will be perceived by the fans if this doesn't go back to him. If Even if he goes back to Green Bay. Because I think there are going to be a lot of people that look at it and say that he's a diva and that he's a drama queen and he does all this for attention. When in reality, like Aaron Rodgers just needed to kind of set the record straight in some fashion. And I I don't know. I I have no idea how this could have made life easier on fans and what he could have done differently. I just think this is the situation you put yourself in when you have, when A, you have a quarterback who is a little bit of a media, I wouldn't say an attention whore, but a guy who, who likes to be, likes to hear his name out there. Okay. Um, that's number one. Number two, it's, you know, you have Jordan Love. You drafted Jordan Love. It's not like you don't have a succession plan. The succession plan is there. You sped up this process because of that. Now, if Green Bay had just drafted a kid or they were planning to draft someone this year, I think the conversation today is a lot different. Again, though, I don't know if Aaron Rodgers wins an MVP or the second MVP without Jordan Love coming to Green Bay because I think it did light a fire under Aaron's ass, even if Aaron won't say that. Even if Aaron will you know, deny that till the day he dies, fine. But I thought it really mattered for Rodgers. So at some point, someone's going to come out right. Either those who are saying there were no trades on the table and Aaron Rodgers is there. And then you'll have other side of the aisle saying, well, Denver did offer. Um, It didn't go anywhere because teams like Denver and maybe even Pittsburgh and and Tennessee are going to want to make it look good. They are going to want to put lipstick on the pick to say like, oh, yeah, we tried. We did everything. It's like the Danny Ainge thing. Like, if you ever watch Danny Ainge with the Celtics, 
there would be rumors like three days after some guy got traded that the Celtics were maybe targeting. Oh, Boston looked long and hard at this guy, but they just didn't pull the trigger. Like that is a specialty out of Ainge's playbook. And I, I really think a lot of teams will do the same. Like I could see Diana Rossini, who's really plugged in with Tennessee, being like, yeah, Tennessee, you know, they made a really good offer at Rodgers and here's what was on the table. And when Tennessee might have not even called him and they just want to they just want to sort of put it out there to make it known like hey we tried so we'll see what happens i don't know what to expect like i feel like there is nothing that can surprise me i'm completely numb to this if aaron Rodgers wants to stay great i'll op- with open arms i welcome aaron Rodgers back if aaron Rodgers wants to get traded okay let's trade him and get the best possible deal and do not settle and do not settle and also, too, if it's a team that is not on Aaron Rodgers' wish list, fuck his wish list. Do what is ever best, what's ever best for the Green Bay Packers. If the best thing for the Packers is to trade him to the Cleveland Browns, trade him to the fucking Browns. If the best thing for him is to trade him to Vegas, trade him to Vegas and Devontae can go there, too. Devontae buying a house and everybody freaking out was also really funny. But that's besides the point. I'm just, I'm okay. I'll be all right. We'll move on. This is sports, and it's gonna. It would suck for a little bit, but we'd figure it out. We always do. We're Green Bay Packers, and we've not had a lot of losing, and I don't think they have any plans to lose anytime soon. All right, let's move on to the Golden Kegs of the weekend. So we're doing this a little bit differently. We're kind of taking Golden Kegs, and I wouldn't say blowing it up, but I, I want to make sure that I'm doing this more often. I don't want to forget. And I think one of the things I struggle with is when you have multiple teams playing on the weekends and you have multiple things going on, it's like, well, I can do a Golden Kegs for the Packers, but I can't do a Golden Kegs for the Wisconsin Badgers when it's like football season or when it's basketball season, especially. And I should have figured this out earlier, but you know, sometimes a little slow, slow on the uptake. Like I had, we have two Bucks games. We had a a Marquette game we had a Badger game like there should we should really kind of encapsulate it all instead of being like all right here are the golden kegs for this team and here's the golden kegs for that team takes up a lot of time and then this allows for more conversation more discussion right so that's where we landed here with the golden kegs the golden kegs are our ward system we give out uh one golden keg two golden kegs three golden kegs three golden kegs goes to the best performer of the weekend Two golden kegs to the one who did all right, and one to you know someone who still had a had a decent outing. Um, so those are the golden kegs. What we are going to add that is new is the skunk keg of the week. The I don't know if it's the bronze keg, the rusted keg, you know something that just makes you cringe, something that annoys you, something that you know was out of the ordinary and just that wasn't the same. So that's kind of an additive like of what went wrong this weekend. Um, I thought about doing like the Shamrock Shuffle blackout drunk golden keg. It didn't work. Uh, Way too too long of a word, but more on the shuffle here in a little bit. So for the three golden kegs, I'm giving that to Chris Middleton. Uh, Chris Middleton, like we talked about at the Open, he was incredible this weekend. It's hard for me not to give Chris Middleton this award. He deserves it. Um, He played really well on Sunday and he played also 
really well on on Friday. So it was an all-in-all great weekend for Chris Middleton. It was a reminder weekend that Chris Middleton is an easy top 20 player and that he can carry the Bucks to another championship. Golden keg, the two golden kegs goes to Justin Lewis. What a night for Lewis uh, and the Marquette victory as the Golden Eagles took care of business against St. John's winning 85-77. to Justin Lewis had an all-time game there. 28 points, uh, 7 rebounds. He also made four threes. He was excellent in this basketball game. Uh, Justin, if this is his last game, Michael Bro, I don't think you should. But if he does, hey, that's okay. Um, and if this was his last game at the Pfizer Forum, it was certainly one to remember. Uh, Lewis could not be stopped. They had zero answers for him on the floor. Uh, just kept making big play after big play um, and hit shots when Marquette needed it the most. Uh, Marquette did a good job of being in control for that game, and most of that was due to Lewis. Daryl Morcel also was really good in this one. And maybe, ah, man, it's, it's tough. See, this is where the Golden Kegs get tough because I, I look at the one keg and I could do a few things, but we'll 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 see what it ends up being. Um, but yeah, Lewis was incredible in this one, and he deserves all the credit. Uh, had so many big moments um, in this game, and definitely excited to see what he can do in March because I do think if he kind of continues on, maybe not twenty eight points. That's a lot of points, especially for Lewis. Might have been his season high, uh, but he can have a really good march and if he's that if he's in the zone if he's feeling good like that you could have an all-timer from lewis and lewis could be a guy that becomes a storyline in the month of march actually his top game was 33 points or points high was that in the win against seton hall on the road so home high of 28 but 33 is the high for the year the one keg, I'm going to go with Drew Holiday's fourth quarters. Uh, we talked about it at the beginning. It was He's just so good in that fourth quarter. You have to recognize what he did. Um, he deserves deserves that out of us. Um, he deserves to, to get that award. And he is, to me, the one keg. I will say that Marcel deserves some of that. I also think you know what the bench did for the Bucks on... On Sunday was great. I think also a one keg goes out to just the city of Milwaukee and the weather and just how the vibes were on on Saturday was absolutely incredible. Um, They deserve some credit. So definitely a lot of good honorable mentions. But to me, the the one kegger goes to Drew Holiday and those fourth quarter performances. The skunked keg of the weekend goes to uh, Nebraska guard. Oh, fuck. What is his name? The skunked keg of the weekend goes to Trey McGowans. Now, I could give it to Posh Alexander, who was also kind of a bitch this weekend. But we're going to go with Trey McGowans. He has the dirty play on Johnny Davis. Johnny Davis gets hurt with that play. Um, Davis sprains his ankle. Um, It's unclear whether Davis will be able to play Friday. I'd make the case, honestly, that you shouldn't play Johnny Davis on Friday. We'll talk about that uh, tomorrow when we do more on the college basketball world. But Trey McGowan's that's such a punk move um, and just something you don't want to see. Um, he's, you know, guy's been around. He knows what's up. Like, he he shouldn't be pulling that shit. And, you know, it's probably the reason why the Badgers don't have the outright Big Ten title is because Johnny Davis was hurt. And you've seen what the Badgers look like without Johnny Davis. It's not good. It's not a pretty picture. They've really struggled without him. And today was no different. And Nebraska notches yet another win. What a weird fucking team. Three straight wins to finish the year. They're 
nine and twenty-one, four and sixteen in the Big East or Big Ten, excuse me. But they're the hottest team in the Big Ten. No one wants to play Nebraska right now. I saw that they where they are, and I think the Big Ten, the announcer said that after the Iowa loss to Illinois today. But they're like nobody wants to play Nebraska right now. Nebraska's hot as fuck. Um, so yes, the Nebraska Cornhuskers are on an absolute tear right now, and yeah, bad bad time for the Badgers. I bet on Nebraska today. I thought for sure I didn't bet on the money line because I'm not a psycho, but I did take them plus twelve because I was just like, there is no way the Badgers are going to get themselves up for this game. Nebraska's playing well. I thought it was a pure hangover spot, and it was. Now, did I know Johnny Davis would get hurt? No. Do I think that the Badgers are screwed if he can't go this rest of this way? Absolutely. Do I think McGowan should be suspended for the first game of the Big Ten tournament? I do. I think that was a pretty brutal foul and a guy got hurt. And I, I think like that adds a little more to it. It's similar to the Grayson Allen stuff, you know, where Crusoe got hurt. And if he doesn't get hurt, I don't know if Allen gets suspended for a game. And I realize that you guys are going to be like, well, Charlie, you've said before it's, it was just a hard foul. I did, but I, I just understand how the league works. That was not a hard foul by McGowan's. McGowan's used his fucking arm. It was a forearm shiver. And to me, he deserves to be suspended at least for one game, if not two. Um, but I, I feel like it's, you know, it's kind of hard because Nebraska loses the game to Northwestern and then they're eliminated. And it's a really... You know, does it really make sense to suspend him for the first game of the next season? I don't know. Will the Trey McGowan's even be at Nebraska? Who the fuck knows, right? Um, these guys transfer in and out like nobody's business. And that's not even an old man thing. It's just it's just reality. It's just how it goes, right? So, yeah, dirty shit for McGowan's. Um, it, you don't need that. And to me, that's the skunk keg of the weekend. Um, other nominees, yes, like I said, Pasha Alexander kicked out a fan uh, after a ridiculous flop. Um, was almost as bad as the Jay Crowder flop. I put Jay Crowder also in the skunk keg for his antics on Sunday. Um, there was a Thomas Moore situation that was absolutely wild where Thomas Moore had to forfeit a little high school basketball. You know, there's always bad shit that goes on. But to me, those are the worst. Also, our buddy Shaken got screwed out of a DJ gig. So that, I won't name the bar because I'll just, whatever. We'll, we'll keep it peaceful. But that also is part of the skunk keg if we're doing other honorable mentions. All right, hope you guys enjoyed that. Let me know um, if you guys like that version where it's a little bit spread out or if you're like, it's kind of redundant. Um, feedback is always welcome. So happy to improve, happy to do things, you know, to elevate the podcast. Let's wrap up with Chuck's Corner. Uh, it's podcast is long, um, so we'll try to make it quick. But I know you guys will enjoy this. Um, I did a podcast, God, now three years ago, um, almost four. Um, I'm going to be 34 here in August, which is crazy. And I did a whole thing about how I retired from Joe Katz. Um, I, I should really like put that podcast in like the Hall of Fame of like how to really understand tapping the keg. That is a great podcast for you to listen to. It was a Monday. It was the middle of August. I just did this whole thing about how I got bullied out of like liking Joe Katz. And as I got older, I've kind of realized that Joe Katz is not for me. But I ended up going back there on Saturday. Um, this was after we had went out earlier for the shuffle um, and lived it up for a little bit at Whitetail and Slate. And then we came home. We ate a little bit. We got our bearings. 
And we're going to go to Worst Park because I've had some, I had a really good time there like a month ago. I think we talked about that on the show. And I was like, all right, let's just, you know, let's live that up. And we're going by Cats. There's no line. And Fant goes, you want to go to Cats? And I was like, yeah, let's do it. And found out too that uh, his girlfriend's younger brother, who's like 25, had never been to Joe Cats. Now he's, he's a newish Milwaukee resident. So I was like, all right, we, we got to fucking go then. If like you've never been and you're 25, you're single, like this is the place to go. And I was kind of living vicariously through him and like wingman in a little bit. Like I'm like, this is your place, man. And it was so fucking fun. Like it was a great time. Like we absolutely lived it up. Like I, I had such an enjoyment there that I haven't had in a long time because I think sometimes things can't be planned. That's to me the lesson that I learned here. I've went to Joe Cats. I've came out of Joe Cats retirement, you know, probably I would say once every six months, I kind of come back. Uh, my guy coach described it as the Undertaker in WrestleMania. It's not always the same, but it, it still plays. That's kind of right. Like it's like, it's not an every week thing. It's not even every month thing. It's not even an every quarter thing. It's like half a year. It's like, all right, let's pay the Joe Cat tax. But the last couple of times I've went, I've been super fucking lame. Like the last time I went was right before my wedding. Um, I was out with Murph and we decided to go. Murph's like, it's your last day before you're married. Like, let's do it. And it was, it was fun. Like, but we got a beer. It was pretty crowded. There weren't a ton of people like... The thing about Joe Cats is you need to have buy-in from everybody you're with. You need to have everybody on the same page that, that wants to be there. If you have people that don't want to be at Joe Cats, it's not fun, all right? And on top of that, you want to make sure that there is that you're not going to be bothered by the big crowds or whatever that 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 kind of unfazed that you're unfazed. So you have to be drunk enough, all right? Like those are like ways to succeed at Joe Cats. And don't let people tell you that Joe Cats can't be fun at your old age. Like my wife, I I called her after, or we were talking on the phone. She was in town on Saturday, and we were talking on the phone as she's driving home, and she's like, "You're like that person who can't." can't quit their or cheats on their diet all the time like that's you with your joe cats retirement while that's true again it's not an every week thing it's not an every month thing and the fact of the matter is is that sometimes you have to shake it up and just get that energy back like i'll i would probably never find myself at brothers or red white and blue if you know a guy like shake hen wasn't performing all right like if our guy shake hen wasn't there I wouldn't care. I would not go there. I, I just wouldn't. All right. I realize like, I'm too old for this shit. I don't want to be in this mix. And so you're like, well, Charlie, isn't Joe Katz basically the Brady version of these places? Yes. But here's the thing. They have memories baked into them. They have memories that I know that I remember that I don't remember that I know I have had fun there and that I remember it so fondly and it was one of the first bars that I routinely went to when I came here and was living here regularly because my friend Eric lived on Prospect so that was my first real exposure to Brady even and that's when Brady wasn't even that fucking cool um, people forget that like there there was a time where Brady wasn't that cool um, and it was like less than 10 years ago all right and less bars and there were only a few places like it was like joe cats 
It was Hi Hat. I think Jax had started or he was just getting started. Um, but yeah, it was no Jax wasn't even. It was called Slice. It was Slice Pizza. It was like a dance club before it became Jax. Um, so like I was so like Malone's was called Bruno's Club Brady was still there probably dealing drugs in the back but like I, I mean no one went to those places all right Nomad was like a legit soccer bar Nomad wasn't a place where you went to you know hang out on the weekends in the summertime and like I still remember going to Nomad for one of the ah, fuck I can't remember what 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 basketball game it was it might have been Badger it might have been a Badger Final Four game but. We were like so packed into two jacks and we went over to Nomad and no one was there. It was great. It was an awesome move by us. But that was before like Nomad was that popular. All right. So I guess what I'm trying to say in a long winded fashion is there are memories there. So you all and that's how I feel about the harp too. The harp, we talked about it on the podcast with Shannon, but like the harp is somewhere where I have so many memories there too. And that place, you could argue, I'm probably too old for. But every now and again, you got to run it back. And as long as you don't take it too far, as long as you don't get too fucked up, it's fine. All right? And so I had a blast. Will I be going there next weekend? Probably not. If a friend of mine, like, say, an Eric, who I don't go out with often because he has three kids and, you know, I just you don't do that if he was like let's go to cats and we were out together guess what going back to fucking cats sorry it happens man but i i love i love a joe cats moment um i i always do and uh i stole someone's sun hat for a while i wish i would have kept that um much to my father's dismay who hates sun hats more than life itself but I think it would have been a great look for me all summer. Um, so that was a miss. I'll post that one on Instagram, uh, tapping the keg sports. I will have that on the stories. But yeah, as we wrap up today's show, um, real quick on the shuffle, I know we talked about the Joe Cats, the tail end of it. Shannon and I discussed how like you didn't need to pregame for the shuffle, which he is right. But I will say it would have helped if I had like three beers before I came to the shuffle because like we were in Whitetail. And we were the soberest people. That's probably not a word. We were the most sober people in the place. And let me tell you, that was not a good good situation. Like some girl was kind of starting to dance on me. And I didn't really want her to dance on me. And just because like, you know, I'm married, whatever. And I told her, like, I'm like, hey, I'm married. And she's like, I'm just vibing. I'm like, I'm just trying to shoulder bump you. I'm, and she's like, I'm married too. I'm like, fuck. What a loser I am. Jesus Christ, dude. Like, and it, it was clearly because I had just not been drinking. I had not been drunk enough. Like, I, if I was drunk, I wouldn't have cared. But I'd only been to have, like, four beers at that point. So, you know, I, it, it started to turn the corner at Slate. Um, we were just pounding there and pounded here at home. And so got a, it got a lot. It was fun, fun fucking day. Um, had, a, had a blast. And I think as you get older, you, you figure out how to plan out your days and make them, you know, they can be go with the flow, but they also, you don't have to be out at the bar for 10 hours straight. And that was something I don't think we talked about in the do's and don'ts, but that's something just to keep in mind as more J drinkings out there, like Nomad has their PBR uh, 1K next week. Where they drink a thousand PBRs, so it's like it never stops here in the state of Wisconsin. And I think one of my advice to people would be like, if you're going to be out day drinking and you want to make it a full day, like head home, get a nap, get something to eat. If you can bounce back from a nap, great. I can. Some people can't. 
Um, and, and that's what you should do. But I would not recommend being out there for 10 hours because you'll be a fucking zombie. Um, and that no one, wa- no one wants zombies. No one wants zombies or Tom turkeys out in their uh, bar scene. All right. Take care of yourself. I'm out. Um, we'll be back tomorrow. Like I said, we'll do college basketball. We'll see if any Rogers news comes up um, and anything else that, that might uh, swing our way. All right. Take care, guys. Have a good one. Bye.